CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We are your official Grey Cup station right here, 620 CKRM. Coming to you live from the corner of 12th and Rose. We'll be live in location at Ryderville on Thursday and Friday. We're going to follow the Grey Cup from Saskatoon down Highway 11 tomorrow. We'll have cut-ins all the way. Don Hewitt will be in this chair till I get here, but I'll join him doing cut-ins. So we are all over the Grey Cup. Our sports guy, Blaine Wyland, is over at the hangar waiting for the Argos to come in. They're an hour late. So we'll have audio from them, hopefully before the show's done. We'll have some audio from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers when they get in around 6. Hopefully there's not a fight in the hangar. They're all there together. Big brawl before. That'd make for great storylines, wouldn't it? Uh, Harris against his old bomber teammates. Foil up! Let's go! Uh, we'll have some Bo Levi, uh, Bo Levi information. I was talking to Bo before the show. We'll get to that in a little bit. The Riders have re-signed Mario Alford. Jeremy O'Day's done nothing as the GM except, oh, wait a minute. He added Mario Alford, who really kick-started our special team. So um, he did that. That was a great move, and he's re-signed him. Outstanding move by the Rough Riders to shore up one-third of or part of one-third of the game. we got a great show lined up, as always. Uh we usually do a thing called Hex Heroes and Zeros. That is where Jeff Heck, the two-time Grey Cup champ, breaks down the week that was, gives us two heroes and two zeros. We're not doing that today, but we do have Jeff Hecht waiting in the wings to discuss Grey Cup week because he's been a part, I think, of three of these. He won two. He lost one. Time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going as a team, for the most part, uh, going into their third straight Grey Cup week. Now, the Argos have a couple of guys, Jagarra Davis, has been to six straight, which is crazy. Speedy B's been there. Andrew Harris going to his third straight before with the BC Lions, too. So they have some experience over there. But how much does that favor Winnipeg, knowing how to handle this week? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really big advantage, just uh, the system of the week. Like, I don't know if most fans understand. Teams are flying out this morning, so it's, it's, a, it's a big shakeup to the regular schedule. Um don't forget, they're going to three in, in a row in four years. So they have a, a large time span of, of this success in Winnipeg. When we went in 2019, there was a few guys on the team that had, had great cup experience. I think me, Mike Miller, Willie Jefferson, Big Hill. There's maybe a couple more guys. We didn't have a ton of experience. We sat, met his, met his player groups and said, look, this is the expectations. This is what we're going to do. This is the plan. This is what we're going to do to attack the week. Everybody in Winnipeg's been there so often now. It's uh, business as usual. So I think it's a huge advantage. But Toronto has a ton of experience. Uh, oddly, you know, a lot of the Calgary-type guys that are over there, Javaris Daniels, Corey Mace, uh, and then Andrew Harris with his success in Winnipeg, they have a lot of guys that have been there. Uh, getting set up for the week is very important, in my opinion, uh, and hopefully they can convey that to the younger guys. I think the problem with a lot of those teams out of the East, you mentioned Jagarit Davis, you mentioned Brandon Banks, um, in my opinion, going to the Great Cup and winning the Great Cup are two very, very different things. Just because you have a ton of experience going to it, 
doesn't mean you have a lick of experience in how to win it, right? Or else you would have done it. So uh, they have, but they do have the experience in the room to help the younger guys get set up for the week. Normally, I would say McLeod Bethel Thompson doesn't have a chance against Zach Kalaros because at the end of the day, it comes to I. I always go with the team with the better quarterback, but the equalizing factor is I think a downplayed leg injury to Zach Kalaros. You've played this game. Uh, you've played with Zach. You watched. You watch that situation unfold in the West Final. What do you make of that injury? I'll tell you this. As soon as it happened, um, I've watched a lot of football, so I see a lot of stuff happen maybe uh, during a play or when a play is over that not a lot of people see. As soon as it happened, I thought this was very bad news. I figured he was going to be done for the game. It could be much worse. Uh, I have a few different you know, CFL guys that we text back and forth during the games giving our our commentary bits and the phone blew up with a lot of these guys who I think are experienced CFL guys going that's a knee that's an ankle this is this is very bad I think the fact that we haven't heard any feedback uh, it's a no news is bad news situation I think the guy went in yesterday morning first thing in the morning for x-rays and MRI you get the results for those in about 30 minutes trust me I've had 12 of them um the fact that there's no news on, on his status, I take that as very bad news. It's them keeping the, car, uh, the cards close to their chest. Is he going to play? I still think he tries to play regardless if he's got a fracture in his foot or if he's got a torn MCL or something like that. I think he's going to go out there and try to play. But then it becomes, this, you know, Nathan Rourke played in the playoffs. He was not the same player with his, with his foot injury. And I don't think that can be the same player Zach makes most of his money on his ability to extend plays, make guys miss in space. He's not necessarily a running quarterback, but his ability to buy time is what really makes him special. It's going to be hampered at least in some degree because he's not coming into this game 100%. But I think because they're playing the cards close to the chest, this is, this is a no news is bad news situation. Yeah, and for that reason, I'm putting 50 on the Argos. I think the Argos are playing their best ball of the year. Uh, you know, we talked about being the CFL least, but I think they're uh, they're finding their way under uh, Dinwiddie there, and I uh, I think they have more than a puncher's chance. As we talk now, they're four-and-a-half-point dogs, but just listening to you, uh, a learned and bright CFL mind, a guy that played in the league, won a couple of Grey Cups, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm thinking Toronto's not going to be an easy out here in this game. They're peaking at the right time, you're right. And, and what Winnipeg and Toronto are both doing right now is they are, at this point in the season, to me, the most complete teams. They have quarterbacks playing at a high level. They have great running games. They have great defenses. They have good special teams. At times, both special teams have shown to be great. They are the most complete teams. It's going to make for the most exciting game. There's, you know, I think Toronto's going to win also. I think... Uh, I've been bur- I've been burned by Toronto in the past myself. They beat us in 2012 when they were nine and nine. Don't sleep on a team in the playoffs, right? Um, the Andrew Harris factor, I think, is a bigger deal than people are giving credit. The fact that he has intricate knowledge of the Winnipeg offense, and him and Corey Mace are sitting together right now on an airplane, going over film. They will be for the next four or five days. Corey Mace is a very, very smart defensive coordinator. Uh, in my opinion, you know, a few years from from a potential head coach in the CFL, he's he's that kind of character guy. Andrew Harris is is the professional of professionals, right? He knows how to win. Um, he's going to be more motivated than ever, and I think a four and a half point draw is excessive. This is going to be a very close game. Um, it's going to be one of those games where who's going to be able to pull off 
that one big play, that one big turnover, that one big special teams run, because I think it's going it's very evenly matched, and uh, I don't think Toronto winning is 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 any sort of shocking upset. I think they got a really legitimate chance of, of being competitive in this game and winning. Yeah, and that's right. And let's give the Bombers their due. They are on the verge of a dynasty. I think you need to uh, win three in a row to be considered a dynasty. And if they do it, kudos to them. But they haven't been... You're an Edmonton guy, so you know what I'm talking about here. And a lot of Ryder fans would know those that are 50 and above. The 78-82 to 82 Edmonton Eskimos were absolutely dominating. Yes, they almost choked to Ottawa in the 81 Great Cup, but they were a dominating team. They were crushing teams. I wouldn't say Winnipeg this year has been very dominating. They've been great at three-minute football, meaning the last three minutes, the most important three minutes, the Bombers always find a way to win. They're a lot like the New England Patriots. I listened to Tyrone Poole talk on my show, the two-time uh, champ with Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I said, what's the Belichick way? He said, S-U-T. You speak the same language, you understand the same language, and you think the same way. And I really think that's that describes the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I've always said... Uh, you know, the paradigm in football is success breeds winners and winning breeds success. So the best way to uh, teach people to win is to win, right? So, and Winnipeg's done a ton of that over the last three years. I agree, they're not as dominant this year. Last year, they were an absolute powerhouse. They were tip to tail, the Great Cup favorites, and, and in, you know, they walked, they walked the Great Cup rings last year. This year, they're much more competitive. They've had a lot of close games. But you're right, when it comes down to the three-minute, and I'll speak to the game on the weekend specifically, their defense was over-prepared for the three-minute warning. BC's offense was, I'll be honest, it looked like a quarterback in his first year starting, running his first three-minute drill of the season, and they they, they looked terrible. They looked looked embarrassing. Their offensive coordinator was embarrassing. I mean, it was the... The stadium was loud from, from what we could tell on the TV, what everybody said. That stadium, trust me, it is the loudest stadium in the CFL. The, the, the acoustics that reverb off of that awning roof are just unbelievable. But they were so ill-prepared that people forget how prepared Winnipeg was. They get the signal from the sideline. They line up. Big Hill talks to a couple guys. Yeah, you're doing this. This is what we're doing. They all line up. BC is still in half of a huddle. So you're right. Like Their ability to win close games is... We've spoken about it. It's inches between the bad teams and the great teams. It's the inches. And Winnipeg's ability to find inches in the three-minute warning has won them a lot of games this year. And it very well could be if it comes down to a three-minute warning type game uh, on the weekend, I'm going to bet on Winnipeg. If the game is close with four, five minutes left in the fourth quarter, Winnipeg's going to pull that off just because of their experience, because of their ability, their preparedness, the ex- experience of their coaching staff, how well they're they're ready for the game. Um, but yeah, their ability to all be on the same page without having a lot of dialogue separates them. All right, so two more points. You talked about Nathan Rorkter. I think the fact that he did kind of look like a deer caught in headlights at times at the end of that ball game because he has that foot injury that he's coming back from, I think he'll be back in this league. I do, for one more year for sure. And if he is, they should rip up that contract and start the contract, not with a five, with a six. I know people will say he can't make Kalaros money. You're damn right he can because he is the face of this league. He's 
He's the reason they got 30000 in BC for a playoff game. He's the reason eyeballs are on the set when the Riders and the Blue Bombers aren't playing. They're, the other team they're watching are the BC Lions. He deserves to be right there as the highest paid guy in this league because he is the face of this league. Zach Kalaros doesn't draw. Nathan Rourke draws. You know where I'm going with this? Yeah, I definitely agree. He's the biggest uh, the biggest name in the CFL right now, for sure, coast to coast. Uh, anybody that's talking about the CFL down down in the States is talking about it because of this kid out of nowhere. Um, and, and let's not forget, if he didn't have the C, this kid very well could be selling insurance right now. Because nobody would be playing him because he never got the opportunity without the Canadian. Hey, wait a field. minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Could be, he would be, he wouldn't be playing. Yeah, he'd be bouncing around in maybe uh, a European league or going to these spring leagues. But you're, yeah, he wouldn't be where he is today at all without the C. The ratio is obviously the reason why he's in. And the reason why the CFL is bumping right now is because of him. It's quite impressive. He looked human for sure. Um, Richie Hall has an uncanny ability to pull out one brand new style of defense in the playoffs. We did it uh, in 2019 against Hamilton, and it absolutely erased their offense. He is the only defensive guru in the CFL right now, to me, is Richie Hall. He pulls out these weird misalignments. Nathan Walker loves to throw the ball quickly. Richie Hall whether he was playing combination man and zone or he was playing cover two zone, he would get his linebackers and DBs down, press, jam receivers, old school defensive football, jamming receivers early. And Nathan Rourke had absolutely no answer for taking away his quick pass. Their offensive line probably played their best game of the entire season as far as giving him time. He couldn't get the ball out of his hand. When they went into halftime, he just didn't have, uh, I think, the – football academic capacity in him yet. He hasn't seen enough football to know what sort of adjustments he needed to make because in the second half, Richie Hall just kept calling the same stuff, shut down their quick pass, absolutely negated him. I think, I'll disagree with you, I think even with the foot, this guy needs to take the shot and go down south. You're only going to be 24 once. There's going to be teams that want to invest in him. There's going to be a situation where, sure, he can be the third string, but he's shown his ability to grow. He's got a very high ceiling. And I'm not just talking about the financial gains of potentially going down and being a a clipboard holder. I think this kid at 24 years old has the capacity to wind up being an NFL starter. Um, If Bo went down when he was 24, these these are guys who have the physical capacity. Bo went down to the NFL to get his shot when he was 30. They're not going to invest in you. It's a league where they have to invest a ton of money in developing players. I think he owes it to himself. He owes it to the C to go down and take an honest shot and see how great he can be. I think he can, his ceiling is an NFL starter, and it would, I would much more enjoy it as a Canadian who roots for Canadians to see him start in the NFL than it would for me for him to be the franchise quarterback for the BC Lions for the next 7, 8, 12 years. But you're right. If he comes back to the CFL, he needs to be paid like a marquee player, the guarantees now, as we know, the contract guarantees are just going to be advantageous to quarterbacks, maybe a couple position players here and there. But if BC's serious and he's serious about staying in the CFL, give him a four or five-year deal at that marquee number, fully guaranteed, let's invest in him, he can invest in the team, and then they can grow, they will grow the entire league around his name. 
Jeff, lastly, we got two minutes left. You uttered the name Bo, Bo Levi Mitchell, on the mind of a lot of fans here in Ryder Nation. A lot were worried that, oh my goodness, he's going to Hamilton. That's it. What are we going to do? That's just a paper trans- uh, transaction. Trust me. Bo Levi Mitchell is going to free agency. Yeah, anytime you see a trade like this, it's very compelling. The, the team that's offered the, the trade to get their guy for the right is about to put in uh, substantial offers. We often see it with position players, with defensive players, closer to free agency, uh, you know, a day or two or, or a week before they're going to offer them big money. The CFL is a back alley conversation league. Everybody knows that. Uh, I think there was at least some conversations, you know, Hey, Bo, would you consider the, the, if we put a proposal on the table? I'm sure that conversation was well, had. Here, here's what, here's I, what, I, here's what I know. He went into John Huffnagel's office and asked for his release, and John Huffnagel said, we've traded you to Hamilton. So he wanted to get his release so he could see peek over the other fences. Hamilton and Saskatchewan are probably the front runners, but I think Toronto's very much in play. If they lose the Grey Cup, they'll try to move on from McLeod Bethel Thompson. If they win, I'm hearing McLeod also might leave to uh, go be with his wife who's got a really good job down south more than he'd ever make here. So that is very much uncertain. And if Rourke leaves like you alluded to, why wouldn't Amar Dolman try to keep the ball rolling, uh, rolling with a big name guy like like Bo Levi Mitchell. I think, I mean, you you always tell me off the air, Bo's a smart guy. Well, if he's smart, he's going to wait. Yeah, exactly. He's a smart guy. He's he's not in the position right now where he's just going to go to the team that offers him the most money. He wants to be competitive. He wants to win, for sure. Like any any player that's getting, you know, near the end of the prime, into the twilight of the career, the main thing that arises is winning. I think there's a lot of pieces Hamilton's missing a lot of pieces. They don't know what they're doing with both of their coordinators right now. Saskatchewan's missing a ton of pieces. BC needs to figure out what they're doing with work. Bo knows that if he signs today, he doesn't get a a lot of say in who else they're going to bring in. But if he waits until closer to free agency or or into free agency, and he can then see a team, maybe they've committed to improving O-line, Maybe they've gone out and, and, and had coaching changes, which usually happen anyways in, in early, early to late January. We see those changes. He's not going to commit until he knows a team's staff, their direction, their personnel. Unless Hamilton really comes out and blows them away with a number, we're talking like a four- or five-year deal with the max guaranteed money, You know, a deal longer than he will likely even play for. Um, I don't think he's going to sign right away. I, I would say that there's more likelihood that Hamilton's going to be able to sign him now because they've shown the commitment um, in trading for him. Hop is a smart guy. He was never going to release Bo. Bo. As soon as the season was over, Hops gets on the, the, the CFL general manager group chat and says, highest bidder gets the rights. What do you got? And, and you know, he, he's going to get value for all of his picks as much as Bo has done for them. He wasn't ever going to just outright release him as a, as a good guy move, right? So uh, I think Bo is a very smart guy. I don't see him signing before the end of the season for sure. I don't see him signing before the end of January just because he wants to see what teams get in place as far as... He, the last thing he wants is to go into Hamilton and them have a coaching shakeup. The, you know, I think this is why he, there's now a major hesitation on his part in Saskatchewan. I think he was expecting a, a clean house. He was going to be able to have a little input on who they brought in as far as assistants or coordinators potentially. So now I think it's a sit back and wait. Wait for teams to show the direction they're going. Wait for teams to to kind of impress him 
show him that they're committed to winning and then he'll sign. But I don't think Hamilton's out of the running at all. And, and like you said, even if Toronto does win the Grey Cup and McLeod Bethel-Thompson still wants to play football, I still think Toronto uh, would take a legitimate shot at replacing him uh, with a new franchise quarterback also. Jeff, thanks for your time, man. Enjoy the Grey Cup Sunday. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Well, we're running a little behind here, thanks to Jeff Hecht. A little long-winded, but he's always got some good things to say, so we thought we'd uh, let it ride there with that interview. Okay, so this is where we do the clutch performance. It's brought to you by Emerald Parks Nick Service, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, rogator, gleaner, and fent dealer. Give them a call, 781-1077. Our clutch performance, the Washington Commanders. They improved to five and five, knocking off the Miami or the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, pardon me, 32-21 and making the 72 Dolphins smile like a bunch of butchers' dogs. They're gonna pop the champagne corks now if they haven't already to celebrate the fact once again when the last undefeated goes goes down, celebrate their undefeated 72 season. It wasn't undefeated, though. They lost two preseason games, one of them on my birthday. I just want to point that out. September 1st, 1972. Leonard sends a text in, 936-6262. The referee cost the Philadelphia Eagles the game last night. That was a weak roughing the passer call. Another reason why we need instant replay in some of those penalties. I want instant replay right out of the game. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Just de- delays the game. Human element. You're right, though. It was a tic-tac-y call. And Greg Regina sends a text in. Our text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, by the way. The show, I never said, was brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Get a hold of us on the text line at 936-6262. You called it ballsy. Bo Levi Mitchell won't sign in Hamilton right away. He'd be stupid not to test the free agent market, see what's out there, hoping he picks green and white. So, Bo Levi Mitchell on a podcast this morning, which is comprised of a couple of morning guys and former Flames defenseman Rhett Warner went on there and said exactly what I told you was going to happen. He is going to test free agency. He'd be stupid not to, especially since Nathan Rourke looks like he's leaving. Two-thirds of the NFL teams, as reported by Farhan Lalji, are interested in his services and working him out. So he's got a couple of workouts next week, and then he'll uh, take a break and then uh, going forward. So he's pretty well gone, I think. Nathan Rourke is done. So the BC Lions, you think, will be in play. Why would Bo Levi Mitchell just automatically sign with Hamilton? I told you all along, if you people would just listen to me, I know what I'm talking about, especially as it relates to this. And I did talk to Bo Levi Mitchell today. I asked him to come on the show. This is what I like about him. said, I respect the game. I'm here to do a job at TSN. I'm coming in. I just want it to be about the game. I don't want it to be about me. I will be coming on your show next week to talk about it, so he will join us next week right here on the Sports Cage. He will not talk to anybody else but me here in Regina, and he might not even talk much this week in terms of the free agency. So we'll get to the nuts and bolts and what he's looking for next week right here on the Sports Cage. I love that about him, but he is pissed off that it got out. He said, now you can do things in the CFL behind the scenes like you can make moves and everything. That's why I'm surprised today the Riders announced that Mario Alford signed because you're supposed to do kind of a freeze during like a Grey Cup or Super Bowl week on this stuff but I guess the Stamps and the Tiger Cats thought this would get out eventually, so that's why they released it. Now everybody's doing stuff, but uh, Bo Levi Mitchell kind of mad that they didn't uh, wait till after the Grey Cup week, so he doesn't want to talk about it. So I respect the fact that he respects the game, but he will join us next week right here on the Sports Cage. Would you be, listen? 
Would you people please get away from Ballsy, the fart and booby joke guy on the wolf? I'm still ballsy, but I'm a sports guy. I'm a professional. I, I don't just throw things at the wall. I don't have to be first. I'm right. When we come back, we'll hear from Bob Stoffer from the Edmonton Oilers. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Outstanding broadcaster for the Edmonton Oilers is Bob Stoffer. You must count yourself lucky now in today's day of uh, radio. Like TSN, we offered to do TSN's game here on Harvard Broadcasting, like do their radio game, do it all with our broadcasting crew, and they elected to nope. They're just taking the simulcast of the TV. And I know a lot of Sportsnet radio teams have to do their radio broadcast, like the Flames and my buddy Peter Lubardius from a studio back in Calgary. You, you probably count yourself lucky that you have a radio and TV crew that goes on the road. Uh, well, there's no question about it, Ballsy. I mean, we're sitting there um, down and, you know, we just finished a, a four-game, a four nine-day road trip where the team was uh, able to do a little team bonding, a.k.a. rookie party, after the victory Saturday in Florida. And we actually flew back to Florida yesterday, so we got you know, a Sunday in Florida, some of the staff went to go see the Dolphins play, uh, the Cleveland Browns. Jack Michaels, who does the majority of our, he does our regional TV package. He does about 20 games a year in radio with me. Uh, he's a huge Cleveland Browns fan, so he, yeah, he went to that. that game. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that. it's a, it's a, it's a privilege, man. Like it, you know, we're lucky. Uh, we're, you know, our broadcasts are in-house. Um, you know, chorus pays for the broadcast rights, not just of the games, but also of our show orders now. And then we assist them in, in selling that show. And so uh, at this stage, uh, touch wood, we're still able to travel. And it's, you know, when, when we left to go to Washington a week ago Saturday, it was uh, minus 18 in Edmonton. And when we landed in Washington, D.C., it was 21 at night. Like, it was late there. It was 1 in the morning when we landed because we had an afternoon game against Dallas. So, oh, yeah, we're lucky. Believe me. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we get to the current Oilers, let's talk about the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame induction. You've seen them. Who's the better Sedin twin? Those two guys are two of the classiest. Like, look, I work for the Oilers Entertainment Group. Um, make no mistake, I want, when Edmonton plays Vancouver and Calgary, I want Edmonton to win those games, but it doesn't mean you don't respect, um, you know, their players. And Jerome McGinley in Calgary, first class, you know, guy. And I, I put the the uh, two Sedins in the same stratosphere, just off the charts, excellent players, but even better people. And uh, the, the story that uh, I always got told was that, you know, I heard a, 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 there was a legendary story about them visiting a hospital after a morning skate one day. And they, they had not tipped off the, they didn't let anybody know the, the social media or the web team. I guess this would have been the web team at the time. And that's just who they were. They never did it for the reasons of any sort of publicity or anything. They did it for the right reasons. In terms of a player, I'll defer to the center. I think that Daniel might have had a little bit higher uh, offensive upside, but the better all-around player was Henrik, so I'll go with Henrik. All right. Roberto Luongo goes in. Let's talk about Bobby Lou. What do you think of him as a goaltender? I think the Canucks, it's crazy what they did. At one time, they had two goaltenders that, you know, between Bobby Lou and... Um, 
Corey Snyder. I mean, they had as good a one. The owners were in on Corey Snyder when he got traded uh, from uh, to New Jersey in the 2013 NHL draft. That draft was in New Jersey. Edmonton had the seventh overall pick. Got a little bit of storytelling here for you. Yeah. And they wanted the se- they wanted the seventh overall pick, Martin Marincin, and a second from Edmonton. And instead, they took the ninth overall pick from New Jersey. Now the difference is Edmonton's not in the same division as um, as the Vancouver Canucks are. Or sorry, New Jersey wasn't the same division, so that made I think the the trade more palatable. And of course, they got Bo Horvat with the ninth overall yeah. pick. And we mentioned Bo Horvat because Michael, you're watching the Canucks right now. He's having an unbelievable year. But they prioritized signing J.T. Miller over Bo Horvat, and that shocked me. So, you know, with you know the Oilers sat there and made sure that uh, first Hall Nugent Hopkins and Everly were signed long term, and then McDavid and Drysaddle were signed long term. And I'm watching from afar with Vancouver with interest because I, you know, I, I can't believe how I ended up losing both goaltenders, both Luongo, you know, and yeah. Schneider, first Schneider, and then Luongo. And now they're in a situation where they might lose Horvat. It's crazy for me <laughs> to think about. I mean, Bo Horvat to me is the leader on that team. So yeah. it's interesting watching one. I, I think Luongo was a really good goalie. I don't think he was great in the 99 World Juniors that year when it was in Winnipeg. Right. Uh, but you know what? I, I, I think Hall of Fame goalie, big Vancouver influence. The one thing I will say, people get it today. It's hard to win Stanley Cups. You're only as good as your worst player in an NHL team. And the Canucks had, had some really good teams. They just couldn't get over that final hurdle of Boston. And frankly, I'll be honest with you, everybody in that year in 2011 was cheering for Boston anyway. So yeah. uh, good for the Sedins to get in. Good for Luongo to get in. Obviously, the standards moved a little bit. How about, uh, though, when you think of teams, you generally think of one player. I mean, Gretzky and now maybe McDavid for the new era. Uh, Calgary, uh, uh, I don't know. There's a couple you could go with there. Winnipeg, Dale Howard, Chuck. Ottawa Senators, for me, it's every day of the week, twice on Sunday, Daniel Alfredson. Yeah, I mean, I got a funny story about Alfredson. Uh, Mike Carmery was a buddy of mine, obviously grew up in Edmonton, and he was just a super person. And uh, I rolled, rolled into the Ottawa dressing room. This is the first year, probably 08, 09, Right, so they went to the 07 final, right? I think it was the 08 09 season. I would have been 08 09 for sure. And Comrie was, I went to go see Mike and, hey, stop, come on over. And I come over and, and, uh, Daniel Alfredson looks at me and goes, welcome to, uh, Superstar Row. And I kind of look at him and there's Mike Fisher there with Mike Comrie and, uh, Daniel <laughs> Alfredson. And I go, Superstar Row. And he goes, yeah. One superstar, that would be me, with two guys that are currently married or dating superstars. It was pretty funny. So I got it because, as your listeners are probably aware, at one time Mike was married to Ellery Duff. Right. And uh, Mike Fisher, well, he's still married to a very prominent Nashville based singer that won America Idol. What's her name again? Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, you know, Underwood, uh, for sure. Absolutely. Bob Stoffer. Yeah, Bob Stoffer joining us here on the uh, Western Pizza Hotline as we break up a lot of great cup talk with a little bit of hockey talk um all right man uh the edmonton oilers kind of had a weird trip it was good it was bad it ended okay but what the hell's up with jack campbell 
Okay, well, wait a sec here. I just got one more story about Mike Fisher for a second. Sure. I made him. I made him laugh. Uh, actually, the previous year, 2008, I was in negotiation with the Oilers at that time. I'd done the afternoon drive show on the All Sports Station, and I pulled into uh, a prominent hotel in Kelowna, and Mike Fisher was there. And I'm at the front, and I've got, you know, my, my children were very young. My son was two, and my daughter was uh, five at the time. And I'm loading stuff up, and I go walking past him, and he holds the door for me, and I go, now, would you have done that if I told you that Michael Hanzus was my favorite player? And he looked at me, and he just started howling because he'd beaten the crap out of Michael Hanzus a couple of years ago <laughs> when Ottawa and Philadelphia had this legendary all-in brawl with neither team having any players left. Uh, Jacques Martin was coaching Ottawa at the time, and Ken Hitchcock was coaching the Flyers, so he had a good chuckle over that. Alright, where were you going here? You're talking about the Oilers and Jack Campbell. I had Mike McKenna on my show today, Michael, and you know, he talked about four or five issues with them, and ironically, he actually brought up equipment and said that Jack is using equipment that breaks down. He's given up a couple glove handles that probably shouldn't have gotten in. Needs a little bit sturdier equipment. Talked about his head placement, not fighting through screens and traffic and that sort of thing. My And I, I am a believer that it does take some players time to get used and acclimatized to a new team. Um, you know, Stuart Skinner has grown up in the Oilers organization. He's worked a lot with the Oilers goaltender coaches Dustin Schwartz and Sylvan Rodrigue. Uh, the Leafs actually let their goalie coach go last year at the end of the season. Steve Briere is now with the Seattle Kraken. I, I got, I mean, it, the Oilers signed Campbell to five times five. It, 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 it's been a Jack knows he needs to be better. He also has to stop taking responsibility in the way of the world on him. Like he's, he's almost, it's, you know, it's, it's almost depressing listening to him after a game. You know, oh, I've been, you know, horrendous or whatever term he used to describe himself. Pathetic. I mean, the team, pathetic. Thank you. Yes, good job. Uh, the team needs to play better in front of him. The team's penalty killing needs to improve. The owner's got to do a better job. Um, with their work back to the puck, supporting the play, backtracking with the forwards and that sort of thing. And yes, Jack Campbell has to play uh, better. We had Jay Woodcroft on the show today. The effort, for the most part, has been there. The Oilers have played a, a you know a tougher schedule. They got I think the fourth or fifth toughest schedule season here, and nobody takes Edmonton lightly, right? They just went three rounds in the playoffs, and they got two of the world's best players on their team. Campbell has to play better. The team has to play better. They're giving up too many shots, and they're giving up too many goals against. The one positive is that Stuart Skinner's sitting at a 932 save percentage, and my expectation is we'll see him tomorrow against the LA Kings. What's up with Yamamoto, and how long can uh, Pugliarvi keep uh, missing water from the boat? <laughs> yeah, Pulley Army's got great support from the analytics community out there, but uh, I, I don't know how much of that gets discussed. Like, are you one of those guys that watches uh, certain NFL coaches and uh, one that go for it in two-point conference? Bob, well, Bob, the analytics... Bob, Bob, sports nerds ruin sports. I've said it many times. Yes, I, I can see you're making friends with kids that uh, live in their basement right now, Michael. Well done. Um <laughs> I, you know what? In, in baseball, there's a term called opportunity cost, and an organization that's done a great job of testing that over the years has been the St. Louis Cardinals. And just because a guy hits 20 home runs and knocks in 65 RBIs and has a 260 average, that ain't good enough for them. 
and they trade those guys. And so in, in Paul Yarby's case, you know, the owners haven't got any juice out of Paul Yarby, Yamamoto, full until the last three games uh, in Bouchard. And those guys were supposed to support the team. It hasn't really happened that way. Uh, Jesse's got to be better. Fogel's going to get the first opportunity. It's a scary incident with Kane out. And as for Yamamoto, uh, apparently day-to-day, I'll remind you, he got blindsided by Gabriel Landstog, game two in Colorado, round three. Then he hurt his shoulder during the preseason, missed a couple games. Then he got punched in the head uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So um, I'm hoping it's not a concussion. Uh, the order's concussion specialist is Dr. Marty Morazic, who did his post-grad at Georgia with the Bulldogs football team. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Okay, lastly, because we're up against the clock, uh, please uh, give me the thought process, your thought process, the teams behind Holloway so far here. I think Dylan Holloway needs to gain some traction here. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the mistakes he's made have ended up in the goal. Uh, and he's been over, you know what, he's, he's been too giving of the puck, often backwards. To he's been too unselfish of a player. Mm-hmm. Like when he was at the Penticton tournament, he was shooting the puck. Early in preseason, before the Oilers dressed McDavid and Drysaddle, he was shooting the puck. And then once he started playing with Leon, he's deferring. The other night he had a two-on-one in Florida. Uh, the puck was rolling. He needed to shoot the puck there. Instead, he tried to pass it through a D-man to Hyman, and the owners never got a shot off on a clean two-on-one. He's got to be more assertive and not be afraid to be a little bit more selfish. And if he doesn't gain any traction here, Tyler Benson's probably, uh, you know, will be assigned here shortly to Bakersfield for a conditioning stint. They're not going to keep playing Dylan Holloway seven minutes a game. So if he stays stagnant at seven minutes a game for a couple more games, maybe within 10 days from now, you might see him assigned to Bakersfield where they can play him 18 to 20 minutes a night. This has been story time with Bob Stoffer. We love it. Thanks for your time, man. Have a great broadcast this week, okay? Yeah, it's great to be on a superstar show. (laughs) Thanks, man. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports tickers brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is their guarantee. They're going to treat you right. Give them a call, 781-2090 out in Emerald Park. Thanks to Cam, Sebastian, and the gang for getting on board. Sports ticker tonight. Looking at the NHL, nine games jersey in Montreal. Toronto visits Pittsburgh, Vancouver at Buffalo. Um, what else can we tell you about? The teams are landing today. Toronto was supposed to land at 4. Their flight's been delayed by an hour. Winnipeg around 6 p.m. The CFL All-Stars are out. And uh, looking at them here, the quarterback, Zach Kalaros, no big surprise. Running back, Kadeem Carey, I picked him, so I'm okay with that. Dalton Schoen, Geno Lewis, Dominic Rimes, Tim White, Curly Gittens Jr. are the receivers. I'm okay with all those. Uh, Sean McEwen of the Stamps, the center. The guards are Brandon Revenberg of the Tiger Cats, Patrick Newfeld, good Saskatchewan kid, good Regina guy, uh, Winnipeg Blue Bomber. Uh, offensive tackle, the... Uh, the timeless Stanley Bryan and Derek Dennis, who had a nice bounce back here before getting hurt with the uh, Calgary Stampeders. The defensive ends as Lorenzo Malden, the fourth, led the league in sacks. Sean Lemon, 
the other defensive end. I know a few people upset that Willie Jefferson didn't get it. Listen, it's not about your resume. It's about what you did this year. Jefferson had a good year, not a great year. Lemons was better. D-tackle, Mike Rose. I agree with that. Jake Ceresna of the Edmonton Elks. Winston McManus of the Argos and Cameron Judge are your linebackers. Your coverage linebacker is Cameron Kelly of the Tiger Cats. The cornerbacks are Jamal Peters of the Argos and Gary Peters, Gary with two R's, from the BC Lions. Your halfbacks are Marcus Sales from the Lions and Dietrich Nichols from the Blue Bombers. Your free safety is Luchez Purifoy, formerly of the Riders of the BC Lions. Rene Paredes, the great kicker of the Stamps. Will he be back? Won't he be back? He could be a fireman. We're not sure what he's going to do. It's about 50-50 whether he comes back. He is your all-star kicker. Your all-star punter also comes from the Stamps in Cody Grace. I may have given it to Haggerty of the Argos. Uh, and your special teams player is Janarian Grant. I have no problem with uh, So here's the rundown, first off. East teams with the most CFL All-Stars, Toronto and Hamilton, three apiece. The West team with the most All-Stars, the Stampeders. There were six national players and one global player. He's a fake global. Arkansas State's Cody Grace from Australia. Okay, he didn't. It's not that he came over from Australia from the big Randy Ambrosi global idea. He was a he's a fake global guy like most of these guys. Okay, I I'll ne- I don't care. I'll never be on board with the global thing ever at the expense of Canadian players. You can't tell me Canadian players don't make a team better as opposed to global players. Sorry, I'm just. It's going to call like I see it. But anyway, um, but here's the BS one of all. I, You know, Moncrief, I think he was a great coverage linebacker, but I can go with Cameron Kelly because, well, Cameron Kelly was um, on a better team. But Mario Alford did, first of all, the Riders re-signed Mario Alford, so that's good news on the Rough Riders. They get him back in the fold before he gets the free agency. He says he loves it here. He proves it. They they pluck him with an early season trade from Montreal because Chandler Worthy uh, excelled for the Alouettes. Chandler Worthy is the Eastern nominee for special team player of the year. You know who the Western nominee for special team player of the year is? Oh, I'll tell you. It's Mario Alford. That's right, Mario Alford. But Mario Alford isn't the all isn't in the running for the All-Star. He wasn't a Western Division All-Star, so therefore he couldn't be a CFL Division All-Star. Janarian Grant is. Now Grant is a great player. We saw Grant run back that punt return for a touchdown against the BC Lions. A lion killer, okay? Not saying he's not a good player. But he didn't have the year Alford had. Alford did something only five people in CFL history did. A punt return for a touchdown. He did it in the last home game. A kickoff return for a touchdown. Had a couple of those. And a missed field goal return for a touchdown. Mario Alford did something only four other people before him did in a season, special teams-wise. After he joined the team part like early on in the season, didn't even start the team in training camp. Picked him off the scrap heap after he couldn't get on the field. But he's not an all-star. That is the joke in this list. If anybody wants to be upset, don't be upset because Willie Jefferson had an okay year, okay by his standards, okay? I'm okay with Lemon being picked. I am not okay with Janarian Grant because he played on the Blue Bombers. All-Stars are the one award, the one thing where you're not caring about being a team. You're caring about being an All-Star. It's an individual accomplishment. Mario Alford got screwed, and I don't care if I sound like a homer. 
Once again, Bo Levi Mitchell is not going to join us on the show. He told me today, I want to make this about the Grey Cup. I am out. I'm really mad that it got out that my rights were traded to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. As I told you yesterday, first he went into the office. John Huffnagel said, hey, I want my release. Huffnagel said, we traded you to Hamilton. So I guess both teams decided that it probably was better for it to get out. Now Alford's signing comes out. Today, Nathan Rourke, um, is uh, it's been announced, he's going to try out for a bunch of BC or um, uh, NFL teams. Not going to work out for the BC Lions, maybe the Detroit Lions. So uh, he has about uh, 12 or 14 teams at least interested in working him out. So stay tuned there. Yeah, we um, we are just getting started here on the sports cage. But Bo Levi Mitchell will said he's not going to talk about himself now. He's coming to work for TSN this week. Focus on the Great Great Cup, the 109th Great Cup. He doesn't want to take anything away from the game. He's mad that it got out. You'll say, oh, he's just saying that. No, he's really mad that it got out, and he said he will join us on the sports cage next week to talk about it. He did mention this morning on a podcast out of Calgary that he is going to free agency, regardless if Hamilton has his rights or not. Hey, who said that? Who said that yesterday on Twitter and got dismissed and on the show here and got dismissed? Oh, right. Oh, yeah. If you want CFL information, you know where to come. Right here. It's a sports cage on 620. I love the smell of night come in the morning. This is where the fun begins. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome to the show, Corner 12th and Rose, downtown Regina, your Grey Cup city. This is your Grey Cup station. For all the information, we got it covered right here from sideline to sideline, from goalpost to goalpost, including your betting. The show is brought to you by our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. We'll address some of your texts in a few minutes at 936-6262. Got some good ones humming in there. It's brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln, and our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. When ordering a Western pizza, tell them about the Rough Rider Sweet Deal, and you'll be in for a chance to win a uh, luxurious sweet experience at a Rider game in 2023. The Argonauts, Trevor at the airport, text in. They've just touched down, so we'll hopefully have some audio for you from some of the players as they get off the plane in the lead-up to the 109th Grey Cup. DraftKings, great site to bet. We got uh, one of the gurus over there, Johnny Avello, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. How are you today? Hey, Johnny. Doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me on, man. Okay, so let's talk about the Grey Cup. Uh, who uh, who are the uh, the public? Who are they backing right now? Uh, the the Blue Bombers have a little bit of, of course, you know, we have a little bit of time before this game takes mm-hmm. place, but, mm-hmm. you know, their early money has been on the Blue Bombers. We opened up four and a half or up to five. That is, team has had a remarkable year. Uh so they deserve to be the favorite. And, you know, quarterback uh, Caleros is just – in as many seasons as he's had as a quarterback, which is probably about 10 or so, this is certainly his finest season. Uh, so seems like he put it all together this year. This team's shooting for their third straight uh, Grey Cup and, uh, you know, deservedly at the favorite. But um, I, think they'll, I think they'll also 
you know, we'll get money both ways in this game. I, I think Toronto money will show up, uh, you know, get closer to game time. Yeah, I wonder if the line will move because Calaros did have a left leg injury at the end of that West final and didn't finish the game. He tried to come on the field but stayed on the sidelines. He sloughed it off as nothing, but uh, the Bombers have been tight-lipped. He's already gone for an MRI, and if it was nothing, you think they'd announce it, or, or maybe they wouldn't. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if the line changes there with regards to the injury. Yeah, you know, everything I read is that he's okay and ready to go. We'll see if that does change. Um, and, you know, in the initial opening up four and a half and getting pushed to five, uh, you know, the, the general the betting public all, you know, feels the same way. So yeah. um, I think he's okay. I mean, you know, I – I think that news needs to come out sooner than later, I would hope, for betting purposes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. I was thinking the exact same thing. Hey, Johnny, in general, okay, so as I as I see the weather right now, it's looking like it's going to be minus 6 Celsius here. We do have some snow on the ground right now, but the track should be uh, crisp and fast. But how much do weather conditions affect the betting line in general? Um, they, they do usually, I'll tell you what affects, affects it the most is usually wind. Um, you know, cause wind makes it difficult for the quarterback to throw the football, mm-hmm. uh, in, in rain, sometimes the, the receivers have a little bit of advantage. So, uh, sometimes that doesn't affect the total as much. And then certainly a good, good snowstorm would certainly do it. You remember those, some of those games in the NFL where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we had a foot of snow on the, on the ground and guys are trying to play through that and, you know, score seven, ten points for the entire game. So that would affect them. Anything outside of that cold weather shouldn't do it. Right now, uh, it looks pretty good. Uh, it's minus one, so right around zero for a daytime high, and the game will start later afternoon. So it's supposed to dip to around minus ten, probably in the heart of the evening. No precipitation. So that shouldn't really affect the betting line, as you kind of alluded to with your description there, Johnny Avello from DraftKings. All right. Uh, what are some, if you can uh, zero in on some of these, what are some of the uh, popular prop bets for the 109th Grey Cup, if there are any right now? We didn't put them up yet. Right now, we have you know the hit, you can bet the halves or the quarters, yeah. the money line, the total. Yeah, totals forty seven and a half, and and for the money line, they're uh, the bombers are minus two forty. Take back two dollars if you like that. Yeah. Argonauts to win straight up, but we'll we'll have some props up as we get closer to game time, and we'll certainly have some in game wagering, which is very popular and has grown probably more than any other. Uh, you know, offering that we put up. Yeah, talk in-game about that. Yeah, ta- yeah talk it. about that, Johnny. The in-game wagering is really interesting. What's so appealing about that? Well, let's say you don't like the five on the game. Let's say that you you don't want to lay five on the bomber, so you wait a little bit, and, and the Argonauts go out and get a three nothing lead, or even a, you know, say a seven nothing lead. Right. And now all of a sudden, instead of laying five, you're you know you're pick or or getting one. So um, that's the difference. Now, sometimes you you waited for a good number and sometimes it doesn't come around. So you just have to pass. That's the problem is that you can't just jump in because you didn't get in the game pregame and you didn't get to happen what you thought should happen. So sometimes you'll wait. Maybe something else will happen during the course of the game. But if it doesn't happen, you just have to let it go. Let's go to the NFL now. We've passed the midway point, Johnny. And, um, who are some of the bigger risers in terms of bets play? Some some of the teams you know that have kind of risen in terms of uh, popularity in terms of betting. Yeah, um, 
you certainly, there's, and there's some teams that have gone the opposite yeah, way, right. too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the Eagles are, are one of those surprise teams this year. And then the 49ers with that pair of bookends, uh, Debo and McCaffrey, they've risen up the ranks. Uh, the Vikings have certainly been a surprise. Uh, and, and Miami's been a surprise. Um, some teams not so much would be uh, the – the Denver Broncos, oh, I yeah. high expectations for them. The Packers have been terrible. Uh, oh, a couple other surprises too would be the two New York teams. They've, you know, yeah. they've certainly exceeded expectations. Do you think people will start? Um, do you think people will start selling a Buffalo Bills stock or say L.A. Chargers with all their injuries? Well, the Chargers, maybe the Bills. I would not sell that stock. Um, I still think that that's a, a quality team and good personnel. And when you beat them, you look you look at the way when they lose games. I mean, it it's they usually lose in an unorthodox fashion. So yeah. um, I, w- I would not sell that one yet. Yeah. Uh, what about the Bengals? They're intriguing. They're kind of where they were last year, right? They're kind of just a middling team, five and four. But they they feel like they're kind of maybe going to put it together here. Possibility, yes. Um, now, remember, you know, their games last year, when every game they played was like a three-point game. Mm-hmm. Uh, hasn't been the case so far this year. And the team that beat them in the Super Bowl, obviously, is not that good. Yeah. Um, because, they, you know, they came back this year and really struggling. So I'm not so sure that the path to get there will be, you know, as easy and as it was last year. I mean, there's always a chance. I, I do think that whoever's playing well at the end of the year has a good chance. We see that happen in most sports, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, a hot team seems to go uh, pretty far in the playoffs. So um, we'll see where they're playing in, you know, four or five weeks from now. All right, uh, Johnny Avella from DraftKings. How about the MVP odds? We talked about teams rising and falling. How about odds for MVP candidates rising and falling? Like, I would think a Justin Herbert might have been, you know, right near the top of the list, and I would say he's probably fallen. How about, like, a Josh Allen? Well, Josh Allen has been up there, and so has Mahomes, and those guys are still up there. Uh, you know, Geno Smith certainly was yeah. one that you didn't expect to be up there. Kirk Cousins is another. He, you know, he, see, he he's never seems to put together a, a full year. Aaron Rodgers would be the one that's probably fallen back, as well as uh, Kyle Murray. Those two guys have really struggled. Okay, so uh, on this week's uh, slate of action, is there any game or a particular uh, couple of games you're kind of eyeing here early on? I know it's on a Tuesday. we we still got a ways to go. But is there any game that you're kind of eyeing right now? Yeah, um, you know, a couple of afternoon games that the Chiefs-Chargers should be. Uh, that's the late one. Yeah. Uh, that they t- they made that now the late game. That should be Dallas-Minnesota. Looks like, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a good gauge of where, you know, Dallas stands in this whole mix of things. Um, and then some of the early games, see if Buffalo can rebound. Uh, you know, they played the at Browns this week. And, and then the Jets are, and Patriots, that's always a great matchup. So it's not the greatest of slates this week, but – you know, you can always find a couple of good spots. You know, here's an interesting one. I don't know what you have at a DraftKings, but I, I heard early in the week here, like as of uh, Monday, it was uh, the Vikings were underdogs at home at 8-1 and one to the Cowboys. I, I saw somewhere they were like two-point underdogs. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, they're a, it's actually one now. Um, we opened this game a pick, and we got pushed to Cowboys one. 
uh, and that's where we stand. Now, yeah, I'm not going to be surprised if this game flips and the Vikings go off the favorite by game time. But it's you know it's right around it. It is right around that pick'em area. Nice. All right, uh, Johnny. Uh, where can they find more from DraftKings if they want to get into the betting action? Well, you can always go to uh, you know draftkings.com and you can always download our app and find the you know the 10,000 different items we have to bet <laughs> there on there on a daily basis. That's outstanding. Johnny Avello, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it, okay? You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Johnny Avello joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we'll get to a couple of your texts, some news and notes around the CFL, around the sporting world. It's the Sports Cage here on 620. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right. Toronto Argonauts have landed. They are here. Blue Bombers are on their way. We're getting set for the 109th Grey Cup. Things get fired up tomorrow. We got the coaches, media breakfast and press conference. We got the Pure Later Parade of the Grey Cup from. Over there, Saskatoon down here, Regina. They had a youth rally up in Saskatoon. The province is into it. We will pull off another great, uh, great, great cup, the fourth time the Riders have hosted it. All right, so let's get to our text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Um, so, David, how are the Riders the only CFL team with zero All-Stars? You think the league would throw us a bone and give us at least one? Like I said, I thought Alfred should have been one, but he wasn't even an All-Star in the West. But he's the Western nominee for Special Teams Player of the Year. Go figure. Uh, what else? Oh, Tommy and Watchers. Watching the NFL lately makes me appreciate the CFL even more. We've got a great football in Canada. The product is entertaining, and the athletes could easily replace current NFL players. I don't know about that, but some of them, yes. So many great cups lately have come down to the final few minutes. No question it'll be the same again on Sunday. Yeah, and good luck to our buddy Nathan Rourke. He is headed down to work out for some teams down south. Uh, about two-thirds of the team have inquired about his services. So he'll have some workouts here in a week and then some more planned uh, before January or in January. All right, time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline for some local sports talk. All right, time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Speak with Aaron Anderson, the commissioner of the Regina High School Athletics Association. Uh, first off, tip of the hat to the Miller Marauders. Uh, 6A Provincial High School Football Champs once again. That was an exciting game on the weekend. You know, that's three of the last four uh, provincial championships for Miller. They beat Saskatoon St. Joseph 34-20 uh, in a chilly uh, environment over at Libel Field uh, this past Friday, Remembrance Day. Uh, just a couple highlights from the game, though. You know, the, the quality of the football was really good, even though the weather was cold. Uh, Miller racked up 400 yards of offense, 300 on the ground, 100 through the air. Uh, Ashman over 200 yards rushing. And uh, they were down in the third quarter. Like, uh, St. Joseph had the uh, lead 13-12. And then uh, Miller got a touchdown late in the third quarter. And then uh, two minutes into the fourth to kind of give it some breathing room and uh, then they traded a touchdown uh, each before the end of the game to make the final score 34-20. Now, football is my favorite sport, but I like all sports. I like amateur sports. Let's talk about the uh, city and provincial volleyball scene, my friend. Yeah, we had a great week uh, last week, uh, championship volleyball week. Uh, we kind of coined the phrase to it. And, uh, yeah, we had all four of our, uh, you know, two white division, junior-senior matchups uh, Monday, Tuesday, and then the uh, junior-senior blue division matchups Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, capped off, you know, with uh, 
Luther hosted the big one, of course, on uh, the 10th, just simply for the, uh, you know, the blue division. Uh, those teams uh, get a chance to go to provincials. Uh, so, yeah, we had uh, great crowds access. Uh, now Sports is on location. They did uh, two games, uh, the Monday, Tuesday, white divisions uh, pre-recorded, and then they did them live on Wednesday and Thursday. And it didn't take away from our crowds at all. Like, our gyms were packed, both at Winston Knoll and Luther. Uh, really good atmosphere, super beha- the behavior of the crowds was just outstanding. Like we didn't have to tell them to, you know, be quiet during the serves and uh, schools came out in full force. They had a great time. So just to uh, give you a bit of a provincial preview uh, this Friday and Saturday, uh, provincial 5A boys are in Swift Current. Uh, so that'll be Winston, Noel, Martin and Campbell heading there. Uh, Martin was the city champ. And then on the 25th and 26th, uh, Greenall, uh, just down the road in Belgoni, they host the 5A Girls Provincial Championships, and we've got Miller, Campbell, and Leboldis going to that. Uh, Miller won the city championship last Thursday. Nice, nice recap, Aaron. And what do we got for winter sports on the horizon, my friend? Yeah, so we started curling uh, this week, so our curling leagues are up and running uh, over at the Cali, and then, of course, our rec programs at the Highland as well, competitive at the Cali. Uh Next week, we've got basketball and wrestling. Those start dates, so basketball tryouts. Uh, wrestling kids can get back on the mat, both uh, male, female. And then uh, the week of the 28th is when the basketball games get going, uh, not to mention high school hockey starting next week as well. So, you know, we, we finish our fall sports and we ramp right into the winter sports, so full speed ahead. Uh, lots of excitement in the buildings, uh, especially considering now we don't have to worry about the weather elements quite so much, so... Yeah, now here's a question for you. Back in the day, we used to have baseball. Why don't we have high school baseball anymore? Um, you know, I used to coach baseball for uh, oh, probably about 15 years uh, when I was a teacher, and uh, there, were, there were a couple things that happened. A lot of it just had to do with the, the takeover and travel of uh, all the teams around the province, and, you know, the South-South Baseball League started up, and uh, Baseball Regina, of course, got much bigger, and then, uh, you know, kids having to leave at 5 o'clock to go travel to be at a, uh, you know, Moose Jaw for a 6.30 game and so on. And we just, we didn't have enough kids to, to man it. So uh, it, it kind of just came down to logistics more than anything. And, and of course, the softball uh, was, was taken out as well from uh, yeah. uh, the RHSA. Yeah, well, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, I never played, but I love going to some of the games and watching them. It's always good to get, uh, you know, behind a team sport. But like you just outlined, we have lots of great action going on. Hey, Aaron, thanks for your time. We'll check in soon, okay? Hey, that sounds great, Ballsy. Thanks again for having Every time Saskatchewan gets in second alone, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. All right, press coverage with Glenn Suter. He's sitting in the airport, man. This guy is... Have you ever figured out how many miles you put on in the air? Well, I'm I'm over the Air Canada 2 million mile... uh, you know, milestone. I, I've I've traveled over two million miles. I'll, I'll often, Michael, sit beside a, a pilot that's deadheading back to a city, and I'll start to talk to him. And he, you know, could be a pilot for twenty years. And I'll say, Hey, are you over two million miles? 
And he goes, uh, not even close. I'd probably be about half that. And I went, yeah, I'm over two million. <laughs> what do you <laughs> get that for I that? Fly the plane. What do you get for that? Do you get like to go in the lounge? Do you get a free drink? You must get something for that. Well, you do. You get it's it's the you know their aeroplan program and it's super elite. So you get into the lounge for sure. And for me, it's now elite for life. So no matter how many miles I get per year, it doesn't matter. I'm elite for life. Um, But it also takes its toll, right? I mean, the other side of that is you're away from home half the year. And thank goodness I have a great wife who uh, took care of uh, our family while I was on the road. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I knew you were elite for life. You didn't need the airlines to tell me that. But I will tell tell you this. Are you like a rock star or a country star? Do you wake up in in a town and you don't know where you are? Like, do you sometimes stumble out of bed and you're like, where am I? Oh, I'm in Winnipeg. I have many times, and I'm talking from like even 25 years ago when I was a lot younger, Many, many, many times getting into an elevator and then looking at the whole line of buttons and going, what floor am I on again? I can't remember what floor. I can't remember my room. My room last night was 1135. My room the night before was 1201. Where am I this night? So that has happened many times, Michael. Yeah. Hey, I I watch some old YouTube stuff. Not that I'm stalking you or or anything, but I saw the young Glenn Suter with with the mustache, and now I'm watching you now. I think you've aged well. Do you look at yourself on TV and say, I've aged pretty well? Um, no, I, I'm, I'm just like as a player, I'm, I'm my own worst critic. I really am. I, I will watch myself on TV and I'll see the little piece of white fluff on my lapel of my suit. I will listen to myself do a game and it'll be a three hour live game. And I will listen for crutch words. I will listen for times that I kick it around a little bit and how I could have improved, mm-hmm. but I'll always find the three or four flaws in the telecast, and I'll go, well, that's still still fighting for the perfect game. <laughs> yep. Well, we both know you'll never get that. Um, I'll tell you what, man, I am really getting excited. Uh, it just, I went and picked up my media accreditation today over at Queensberry Center. Some other people are picking them up, and it, feel, it feels good now. It feel, I, I'm excited, and this is going to be a really, really good football game. Yeah, it is. It's a great matchup, and we can get into the matchup as we get closer for sure. But, you know, I, I remember two or three weeks ago, right right when the Riders were eliminated from the playoffs, and, uh, you know, there's, there was a sort of a period of, uh, I'll say mourning, because yeah. of how, how passionate fans are about their team there. And, you know, that, that felt like, you know, are we going to be able to regroup for Grey Cup? And I remember being on with you and saying, I have full confidence, 100% full confidence, that the people of Saskatchewan will rally. They'll be ready when the week begins for Grey Cup week, and they will put us on a show like no other because they are the leaders, and you've said it many times on the show, the Ryder fans are the leaders throughout history in giving, by their, by their actions, giving the rest of Canada a chance to, say, to look at, at what's possible if you do get behind your team, and it doesn't mean you compare, it doesn't mean you look at other leagues, it doesn't mean you complain about a guy going here or there. All you do is you say, this is my team, it's in my backyard, it's my provincial team, in some cases city team in Alberta because there's two of them. But, you know, you, you get behind it with great passion, and I have no doubt that, that Saskatchewan will rise to the occasion, we will have a great party all week long, it's a great matchup that we can break down, but... 
Um, you know, pick a team when you get there and you get in the stadium, pick a team, and it's probably not going to be Winnipeg for most people in Saskatchewan. Right, yeah. And, uh, and just enjoy the ride. But I will say this. It might be a sea of blue. Both teams are blue, but it's a sea of green. Like, a rider nation should be happy Winnipeg won in the sense that they travel well, so they'll come here and spend their money. So that's number one in our pick six. Glenn Suter, you'd know that being a Plaza of Honor defensive back. We're, do- we're doing six topics here. I should have said that. Number two, um, here's one for you. Should the halftime act be Canadian? I know one of the artists is Canadian, but should they be Canadian? I think they should be the best act we can possibly get. And I, and I don't care if they're from Europe or they're the hottest thing in the U.S. or they're a great Canadian act. I, I, I would start searching for the hottest, uh, most popular Canadian artist for sure. That's where the, the search can start. But if that's not possible, you know, putting Garth Brooks in, in there or, you know, the, the best act like, last year or the year in Calgary where he had Keith Urban. Yeah. I mean, Keith Urban was, was at top of his game and still is. So, you know, I, I, I would say this, that the, the act for halftime start looking for the biggest Canadian names. If they can't do it, then get the biggest names you can possibly get. And that means you can afford, you know, obviously cost is an issue too, but, um, Best act you can get would be the overall rule. Start with the Canadians. If they can't do it, then move on. I joked with Josh Haggerty at the end of the show yesterday, and we'll get into him in a second in one of our uh, six topics here, probably on the other side of the break. But I joke with him. I said, what's your first memory of the Grey Cup? He said, watching, I was nine years old, 2007 Grey Cup. Then I got to thinking, well, Ryan Dinwiddie was the quarterback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Do you bug your coach about the fact your riders beat him? And he said, nope, I don't mention that. But (laughs) Dinwiddie's done a great job there in Toronto, uh, you know, guiding the ship. They've been a pretty steady team and they're playing their best football right now they are they got a physical defense they they create turnovers i think mcleod bethel thompson's having his best year as a pro and he's done what i kept saying he has to do to get into the next level of discussion with regards to where he ranks and that's he won a big playoff game he hadn't done that and he was you know a good quarterback that had sort of highs and lows but now he's better brian dinwiddie i think to me has quietly, um, you know, he's a, he's a finalist for the coach of the year, but he is, he has quietly uh, showed that the X and O and the game management can be learned as long as you're paying attention and you're looking in the mirror. You know what I mean? Like early on for, for Ryan, I think he was, he was making some in-game mistakes that a young coach will make. And, you know, when you're talking about game management, that can be tricky, but he, he has learned from all those mistakes he gets better every single game out at those things. The only thing, and this is a little bit of a concern, especially playing against Winnipeg, is those outbursts on the sideline between players and coaches. Boy, I, everything matters. Everything matters. And if, and if you just don't get the best out of each guy and, and have them playing at their best with great confidence, the spotlight will find that guy and you could be in trouble. And I've seen too many outbursts between coach and McLeod Bethel Thompson and other players kind of infighting on the bench. We saw that in the regular season. That's something I think Dinwiddie can clean up. 
That's Glenn Suter. This is Press Coverage. We'll be back with our last three in the pick six here on the Sports Cage on 620. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. All right, back with press coverage brought to you by our friends at Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. You see the, uh, you hear the announcements in the background. Glenn is in the airport waiting to come to our fair city for the week of the Great Cup. Before we get to the rest of the topics I wanted to get to in the pick six, I had a discussion with Bo Levi Mitchell here today off the air. I asked him to come on the show today. He said, I'm respecting the game this week. I, I talked this morning on a podcast in Calgary, said all I wanted to say, but Ballsy, I will come on your show next week, but I want to make this about the Grey Cup. Uh, not trying to be rude, but I thought that's great. A, a respecting the game from an American that's come to appreciate what the Grey Cup means to Canada. I just thought that was a classy move. Yeah, and he's been classy throughout this process, and you know it would have been really frustrating and tough on him to be benched I mean, a guy who is a champion, who is an MOP, who's a Great Cup MVP, and he's been, and he's benched at midseason. I mean, that I don't think there could be any tougher sort of scenario to try and overcome. And Bo's done it with class the entire way. So this doesn't surprise me. Uh, I I am happy that he's doing it. And and by the way, there's been news, obviously, that Nathan Rourke is going to try out in the NFL. And that's not Nathan's fault that that news broke. That that news broke because of an NFL insider down south, which is fine because the NFL is going to run their tryouts at the same time every year. And they, you know, they're not, they're not, they don't care what time of, uh, you know, that it's Great Cup week for us in Canada. So Nathan had nothing to do with that except for the fact that he's going to go work out, and we know that. So, And so did Bo Levi Mitchell, to your point. I mean, Bo went down. He looked at what was available. He looked at his opportunity. He wasn't comfortable with it, went back to Calgary. That's still possible with Nathan, too. Um, we wish him the best, but you're right. He's handled it with class. This is what we do because this week – it's about Toronto, it's about Winnipeg, it's about the 109th championship. Well, he's mad, though. Bo Levi Mitchell is upset. I can tell you that for free. He's upset that it got out. He told me, I'm upset that it got out. It shouldn't have got out. I wish they, the teams wouldn't have released it. Because you're allowed to, because a lot of fans have asked that. I thought there was a freeze. Well, there technically is no freeze. You're just, you just shouldn't announce it during Grey Cup week. That's what it, what it is. And Bo's actually kind of upset about that. That's why he doesn't want to do any media he he won't he'll he said he'll talk a little bit about it on tsn because he knows it'll come up but it's going to be very brief and that's it yeah yeah and, he, and, he, and this will be his answer michael it'll be i'm going to be patient i'm going to look at everything that'll be on the table in february or in january or december whenever it happens and he's and he'll say and that's all i can say about it right now yeah and, and again defer to the great cup championship because that's what's important this week our national championship in our backyard in the heart of the CFL Saskatchewan. And that's uh, number four in the pick six. This is our national championship. And Joe Theismann said it best when I interviewed him a few years back. And, th- and, and it's even gotten worse. He said the Super Bowl is mucky mucks, it's corporation, it's celebrities, it isn't a true football uh, celebration per se, where the CFL, he said, is a football celebration. It unites the whole country. It's very organic. And I thought that's, uh, that's big time coming from a guy that's been a broadcaster, a Super Bowl champ, nearly a Grey Cup champ here. Yeah, every, every guy that I've talked to that have played in both leagues 
says that same type of thing, that first of all, the athletes are outstanding and, you know, beyond outstanding, they're world-class. And then that this is a celebration where a lawyer from the East Coast will travel all the way to Saskatchewan, paint his face, and meet up with a doctor from Vancouver who also has a painted face and a different color jersey on. There'll be no issues. There'll be no riots and things. It'll just be a ton of fun that the fans can engage in. I've been to Super Bowls. I've had press passes that got me into everything at Super Bowls. And, hey, I love the game no matter where it's played and, and what rules. But the Super Bowl is so corporate. I mean, it's, you have to wear a suit and tie to everything. It's, it's just it's different. It's completely different. This is the fans' game. This is our country's game. Yeah. Hey, I like this. Zach Kalaros, I don't like the fact he's hurt, but I think this injury is bigger than the Blue Bombers are letting on. Uh, I'm going to take a motivated Andrew Harris and a good running game on the cold prairies with a good Toronto Argonauts defense against a banged-up Zach Kalaros. I think people, this is number five in the pick six, I think a lot of people are writing off the Argos, and that's a huge mistake. I agree. I, I think their matchup defensively against Brady Oliveira in the run game for Winnipeg that really took control in the West Final in the second half against BC, I think they can match up with that run game. I think they can match up with their D-line, especially the interior of it, uh, against the O-line in Winnipeg. I, I think that, that's going to be almost a saw because they're a big physical bunch up front. So, yeah, I, you know, Harris is going to be supremely motivated. I agree with you on the Zach injury. They're going to downplay it. We won't hear anything out of their camp. That's going to be locked down. But I watched the injury again in slow motion a few times, and it's, it's something. It's, it's not nothing. They're saying it's nothing. It's something. And I, I'm not a doctor, so I won't diagnose, but it's, it's more than nothing. I guarantee you that. So we'll see. And you're not the first guy to say that. Uh, Jeff Hecht had said it earlier on the show. He was uh, the former CFLer was texting with a bunch of buddies, and they were like, nope, four players, there's something there. And uh, it's going to be something. Uh, some of the guys are thinking uh, that I've talked to that he might not even play or barely play. So that's going to be very, very interesting. And wouldn't that be something for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Uh, almost, it, it, it's funny. Wouldn't that be something, Glenn? Dinwiddie has to come on because Kevin Glenn can't finish it off and loses to the Riders and then maybe Dinwiddie's the benefactor as things come full circle because maybe the Bombers don't have their quarterback at 100%. Yeah, no question. And I go back to that 07 game. Dinwiddie had the ball and had to drive the field for the win and the Rider defense shut him down and had a a, a final game winning pick and, and that was the difference in the Grey Cup that year. So, you know, again, our game has once you're in when you're in it as a fan or as a player or as a broadcaster you're in the fraternity and we're all in this fraternity and we can look back to those days and believe me we will all week yeah okay so here's another one of the pick six all right this would be number six curly gittens jr Uh, we kind of touched on him last week another canadian star is born Mm -hmm. yeah and you know this Again, I, I hope the commissioner, when he stands in front of the media this week, has worked on the messaging to an unprecedented level. And what I mean by that is not to criticize that administration or him in particular, but every single commissioner and league office in the last 30 years that I've been directly involved with the league 
has forgotten that the simple messaging can be simply this. We have fantastic Canadians. We're not messing with any of those rules. We have fantastic rules in our game with the best final three minutes of any sport in the world. We have higher scoring game than any other football league in the whole world. This is world-class athletes battling their butt off for your province in your backyard at an affordable price that you can get behind. That should be full-stop message. That's it. We're not broken. It's not got to be fixed in the offseason. Yes, we always tweak, but none of that messaging should be we're broken. We had a fantastic year, not a comeback year, because we, we, we came back from a pandemic that was completely different than anything in the world. But if you go back before that, this isn't a comeback year. This is just another example of the Canadian Football League coming through and entertaining us if you're a football fan, you love this league. Well, Glenn Suter there with the pick six. And whenever you get a six, you need to go for one or two. So let's go for the extra point here, Glenn Suter. And it ties into something <laughs> I wanted to bring up. This is a great storyline. Now, Theron Churchill was the ninth overall selection in the CFL draft pre-pandemic with the uh, Toronto Argonauts uh, from the University of Regina Rams. <clears throat> so there's that tie. He'll be back here representing the Argos. And then Josh Haggerty, here's a guy that could honestly be using up his last year of eligibility in youth sports football and playing with the U.S. Huskies in the UTEC Bowl this weekend in Nova Scotia. When I did my, I did kind of like a top 50 CanWest YouTube show. I polled coaches and I polled players and media types, and he ranked 44th out of 50 the year he went to camp with the Argo. So he wasn't even in the top 10 because of circumstance, because of his performance, because of how the Argos decided to align their defense that year. Josh Haggerty made the team. He's in his second year and now he gets to come back here and play in the Grey Cup. And he sat in the stands in 2013 when the with his dad when the Rough Riders won the Grey Cup here. And now his parents and family <clears throat> get to watch him play for a Grey Cup. That, Glenn Suter, is why the C in the CFL is the most important thing in the title. Yeah, there's yeah that that is a a major reason that it can't it shouldn't be messed with. If anything, let's add more. Let's add more Canadians. Let's add a Canadian coach that's mandatory on every team, or maybe two or three, and and put a ratio there. I, I you know the 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 local family and friends and school classmates that can come out and watch you play professional football in your own backyard. That opportunity, and again. It's not to protect Canadian jobs. It's not that. It's to give Canadians the opportunity to prove and show that they are world-class, just like you're seeing out of Div 1 football coming up from the United States. And that's not cheerleading. I am not cheerleading in that regard. I am actually just stating fact. Your son right now, Michael, is playing against tremendous competition. And he's going he's gonna to one day probably get a chance maybe to play at this level if things work out. And he gets to the pro level, he'll be in a camp going, these guys that played Div 1 are all just like me, you know, just like me, the same. All we, you know, we, we, we lift, we run the 40. You know, it gives you an opportunity. It puts Canadians on the field to showcase their talent. And all of their fans, family and friends and classmates can come and watch them right in their own backyard. 
I got shivers just thinking of Haggerty running out on a Mosaic Stadium to play for a Grey Cup. That's what I love about this week. And we'll talk to you later in the week, Glenn. Safe travels, okay, my friend? Okay, thank you, Mike. I love the smell of night come in the morning. This is where the fun begins. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. When you order Western Pizza, ask for the Rough Rider Sweet Deal, and you could be in to watch a Rider game next year from a luxury suite. And our text line is brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln, the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, 936-6262. I'm also cheering for the Argos, Mike says, from Regina, because Churchill is my grandma's great nephew would be great to see him hoist the cup at home yes it would be that'd be a great local story and that's why like i said with glenn Souter, it's important to have the c in the cfl ryan dinwiddie coaches the double blue and he's got those steely blue eyes too that the ladies love he landed with his team earlier and our own blaine wyland was there as part of the media contingent to get the audio from the argos coach in the hangar Brian, you're here with the Philly. Feels great, you know. Um, you know, got to prepare on the flight, so it's, you know it's tough, you know, traveling and on, um, you know, when it's our big prep day. So that you know, was good. Just, um, you know, great opportunity for us, right? And uh, you know, this is what you uh, sign up for, right? You want to be playing in this game. What was it like on the plane? It was pretty good. I mean, we sit in front, players in the back, so they seem to be, you know, pretty. Um, I guess pretty spirited. They're having some fun. You'll listen to some music and stuff like that, especially on the bus over. But I think guys are pretty focused. You know, Enoch and Andrew came up, talked to me, trying to, you know, plan out the week, talk curfew and all those things. So the, the guys are locked in. They were locked in last week, but they're, they're, they understand what's at stake. Can you lean on experienced players? I don't know it's your first time. You've been, you've been before, but can you lean on players like Enoch? No, no question. I think you almost have to lean on some of your veterans and guys that, you know, it's very important to them to do things the right way and, and understand what's at stake and, you know, the behavior we have to have this week. And now we all know it's Regina and there's still a nightlife here, right? So um, we just got to make sure guys are here, understand it's a business trip. You have all next week to, you know, have some fun. Well, I think we're an underdog. I think, you know, I mean, anytime you're playing the, the back-to-back Grey Cup champs, right, and, and what they've done this year, and uh, they're a good football club, right? And, and to be the best, you got to beat the best. So uh, I think, you know, the pressure's on them, not really necessarily on us. So we're just going out there and trying to go win a football game. Us loose. I don't think they'll play any tighter. They're a veteran ball club. They've been together for a while. Um, I don't think the moment's ever too big for that club. You know, they do a great job. But I just think for us, you know, it takes a little bit of uh, added pressure off of us. Well, I think you know, guys were pretty excited, and you know, in that locker room, and then got right into, you know, focus mode. And I, I'm sure some guys had some fun afterwards. We had our um, lounge open, had some food and stuff like that for after the game. But, you know, us as coaches, we just got right back into the film and started watching stuff. So we didn't know who our opponent was until, you know, the, the, the game after that. So we got really started on that game the next morning. But, uh, yeah, I think the guys had a, um, a good focus afterwards, but they did enjoy themselves. Did you watch the game? No, we didn't. We didn't. So I think most guys wanted to go home and get in their bed and rest. So that's kind of what we watched, you know, some film. And then we, we went home and, you know, coaches watched it on TV from home. And then we got it uh, in the morning and started watching the film. I know exactly. 
doubt. I told them, you know, there's a lot of, you know, festivities and different distractions that we got to make sure we overcome. Uh, it's almost like a college bowl game for some of the guys, you know, they haven't been to the Great Cup, you know, all the media obligations you got to do, you know, the um, award show and all that stuff, right? So not lose sight of the game and get caught up in some of that stuff. Let's not get distracted. Not really. I think it's you know, probably new to get talked about, especially you know, playing against Winnipeg. You know, I was hoping uh, Andrew would get talked about more than me. <laughs> I think so. I think, you know, guys respect Andrew and have a appreciation for what he's brought to our ball club this year, um, you know, on and off the field. Um, but, you know, I think, I mean, if you're playing in the Great Cup and you don't want to go win it, something's wrong with you, right? Uh, yeah, I think guys want to do it for Andrew because uh, he's their teammate more than anything. You also have another guy with unprecedented appearances, Gary Davis, his sixth Great Cup. Are you going to get him to talk to the guys? Uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll have something to say. You know, I don't really, you know, grab you know players and, and ask them to talk. You know, sometimes I will. Uh, those guys, you know, have plenty of time. You know, outside the four and a half hours they spend together, and, and they're in the locker room. So I'm sure he's had some uh, discussions with some of the guys, and uh, you know, hopefully this time around, you know, uh, we can get it done. You aware of his streak? Obviously, did you think you could ride that sort of lucky streak? Yeah, well, I, when we signed him in free agency, that was one of the things we talked to him about, right? Let's go, well, let's go keep that streak alive. So, um, you know, got to see him do it live in Calgary and unfortunately had to play against Manise final last year. I mean, the last drive. <laughs> you know, I thought we had a chance to win it right there at the end. Uh, you know, being my first start and, you know, all the media attention for all that stuff. Um, but for me, me, I was just focused on the game. And those are games you want to play in the big game. So I was looking forward to the opportunity um, and was very confident going into it. I thought we'd get it done. It's unfortunate the way the game ended. thought we had a chance to win. It just didn't get it done. We're not going inside. No, not going aside. Now, and, I mean, we've had great weather in Toronto. I mean, two weeks ago, it's I think it was 20 degrees, right? So uh, we got to get acclimated to it a little bit. Uh, last week was a colder game for us, but it was, uh, it was uh, first, I guess, game where it potentially could have snowed last week. So we got to get acclimated to the weather. We're going to practice outside. I think it's very important, and then I just learned that from my time in Calgary. We always practice outside. You know, we didn't practice in the, in the bubble. We did once in Toronto, um, and you know, we didn't get it done there either. So I just feel it's important for us to get outside and get on the turf and get going. I think we can. I think we can. I think you got some guys that can do it. I know, you know, Winnipeg is, uh, they enjoy the cold weather, right? They kind of thrive off of it. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, the weather's what it is. We got to make sure we go out there and get, you know, used to it and understand we got to play physical in cold weather. Have you heard about 07 and the three picks? Is it still part of Saskatchewan or yeah, for sure. The first one, though, hit the ground, though. It wasn't a pick. If they had challenge right now, that would be called back. So, uh, no, I mean, I think as a, as a player, you know, you always remember your plays, right? And um, it's good or bad. And uh, some of the bad ones, you know, they still sting a little bit when you think about it. But, you know, that's part of uh, growing. Well, the first year was great. When you know, we got to the Great Cup, you know, we ended up losing uh, to Montreal. Um, that year was great. The the next year we were, you know, we weren't very good and couldn't go to the grocery store or do anything. I mean, going to Walmart trying to get my fishing license. You know, everybody's all over you. But no, nothing but fond memories here. I enjoyed my time here. Uh, met a lot of good friends too that I played with there. Have you been following what's going on with Zach Polaris and his ankle? What are your thoughts on him going ahead and your 
preparing that Zach's going to play on Sunday? Yeah, he's going to play. I know he will. He's a, he's too, he's uh, darn tough. We know he's going to play now. Will he be as mobile as he's been all year? I don't know. Um, I anticipate that he will. We're planning that. That's the way it goes. Um, you know, it's unfortunate he got hurt, but I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he's going to be playing. Ryan Andrew is saying Yeah, well, I said as soon as uh, Winnipeg won, I said we got to be ready to go silent canes the whole game. I said all the people in Regina are selling their tickets right now, and I'm sure the people in Winnipeg are buying it. And you know, say eight-hour drive, and they'll be here. I just well, to be honest with you, I thought about 07 because that's when we went silent canes the whole time because Saskatchewan was in Toronto, and it was a uh, it was a home game for them almost. So it's going to be a home game for them. We understand that, but uh, that's that's just uh, the cards we're dealt. nerve-wracking at all. Uh, I think, you know, sometimes the media, you know, makes it sound like it's bigger than it is. Um, this is what you do it for. The big games are the fun ones, right? Um, you let the nerves get into it, right? And you're worried about the outcome. Uh, you're usually not going to put your best performance. So, yeah, we just got to go out there and win a football game. And it, it, obviously, it's a big one. It's the biggest one of the year. Um, but you can't make it bigger than what it is. Well, I think he's playing well. Uh, I think he took the next step. I mean, he, he obviously, he's proven that he can get us to the Grey Cup, right? Now he's got to prove that he can be a Grey Cup quarterback. And uh, you know, I know he wants to win this one uh, for his legacy, but he just wants to win it for the club and, uh, and for his teammates. So uh, he's, he's played well this year, and I think second year in the offense, you can see that. What do you think about his journey and where he's been through NFL and various different leagues to get Oh, yeah, definitely happy for him. Max is a good guy. I know his, I know his wife um, and his kid, and we see them quite a bit. My wife has a relationship with his wife, too. Um, you know, they spent some time at the game. So I got to know them a bit, and, you know, I'm excited for him. Um, he's been working hard to get get to this stage, and he deserves it, and he got us here. Uh, we get along great, and uh, you know, there's going to be moments we're both competitors. I'm sure we said some things to to each other that, you know, that guy might not like at times, but that's just what it is. You know, and I know he wanted us to challenge, and you know, he felt like we were going and we're getting in the rhythm, but it wasn't the right thing to do, and so it didn't bother me none. I know he wanted to do it. That's just part of the game, but um, well, we're fine. I think you have to, um, you know, and then you can't let it be infectious on the rest of the sideline, right? So everybody's got to keep their emotions in check. It's going to be an emotional game. We understand that. Guys are competitors. But let's let's get the best to come out of us and competitors, not the worst. Great Cup 109. It, it's real now. That was a Ryan Dinwiddie, head coach, former Bomber quarterback in 2007 when your riders beat the Bombers. He is the coach of the Toronto Argonauts. The Bombers are on their way here. They might even be here right now. But we've got the audio from Ryan Dinwiddie. Coming up next, we'll hear from McLeod. Bethel Thompson won his first playoff game last week. And Ja'Garrett Davis, who's playing in his sixth straight Grey Cup. This is the Sports Cage, your official Grey Cup station on 620. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. My juices are flowing. It's the Grey Cup. I know our team's not in it, but we're hosting it. We're going to throw a great party here, bringing it back to the Heartland Riders. Blue, or, uh, pardon me, Blue Bombers, Argonauts. 
It's going to be a great one. First time they've met since 1950. Argos have not lost a great cup to the Bombers. Hopefully they can keep that intact. Bombers have made the most appearances in a great cup. They get 24. Argos have won the most. They're 17 and 6 in a great cup. Actually, I think it's Bombers are 12 and 14 in a great cup. So it's 26. 17 and 6 for the Argos. Here is the guy who's for 299 yards and two touchdown passes in the East Final. His first playoff win as a quarterback in the CFL, McLeod Bethel Thompson. No, I mean, it's 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 what quarterbacks are measured by, right? I mean, we're we're highly scrutinized. We're really just representations of how well our team is playing um, in so many fashions. And then, but but we're measured on making the right plays at the right time to get your team in a position to win a championship. That's what the whole quarterback position is about. So, um, yeah, for sure. If like, you have know, indication of quarterbacks are measured by championships, so um, if I want to consider myself a good quarterback, then I better win some championships. So. Um, yeah, I guess you could say that I'm excited more than anything. I don't think of legacy. I don't think of anything long term. It's just like we, the reward for hard work is more hard work. So I get to go watch film this week and prepare to play a football game, and that's the most exciting part. Anyone who's Unfortunately, I apologize to him. I, I shouldn't have lost my temper. I think it's something we bond over. We're both passionate people. Um, and uh, <laughs> we both love the game of football. We have that kind of fire in us. And uh, um, I, I apologize to him the next day. It was it was uncalled for. Um, I wanted. I felt like we were moving the ball, and I obviously wanted him to challenge it. He knew better. Um, um, he, I felt like we wouldn't have gotten it. So um, it's a real non-factor. I know it's your job to talk about it and all that type of stuff. But um, I have complete confidence in, in him, and um, it was it was my fault. I shouldn't have gotten so hot. Yeah, it'd be awesome. I mean, the whole reason to play football at this time is to play against the best. And, you know, they've been, for the last three years, the best team in this league. So um, it would be sweet. Um, and that's why we're here. We, we want to play the best players at the biggest stage at their best and beat them. And, and that's what we feel like we're ready for. And, um, yeah, it'd be amazing. Yeah, it didn't feel that bad. I kind of wanted to, I hope when we were doing this outside, I thought, you know, we could all talk about a hangout outside. I thought that would have been a little bit better. Maybe more frost coming off for the cameras. I thought it would have been picturesque, but uh, however you guys want to do it. I'm pretty hot in this hat right now, so I'm kind of... <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, getting used to it, getting a feel for it, understanding what it's going to feel like. Um, the more the more throws I can get in the cold to prepare for it, the better. Um, I enjoy it. I hope we get some snow days too. We can do some snow angels and have some fun out there. I love I love playing in the snow. Andrew Harris is a warrior. Um, he's a great man. He's a leader. Um, what he's done this year, probably a, a different challenge for him, but he took it on like he does every challenge. Um, he's a complete player, a complete person. Um, he's a champion. And uh, I, when you look at Andrew Harris, when I think of Andrew Harris, you know, it's just a straight-up champion. And uh, he's as much a reason as anything as anything as why we're here. So um, we are very, very lucky to have him. McLeod, there's been some speculation that you might be considering retirement after that, this game. Is, is that on your radar at all? <laughs> no. Not even a little bit. I just want to play this game. I want to enjoy this week, enjoy this time with my team, and uh, just go out and play a really good Winnipeg team. 
you know how hard it is to get here. Can you imagine a guy getting here for six consecutive great months? Unbelievable, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and, and it's... Um, he's so cool about it too and he's so cool about the way he plays and he's so cool about the way he practices and he's so cool about the way he gets to the quarterback he's just a uh, a natural athlete which with natural swagger um, and below that is a is a really strong drive and you can see why um, he's made it you know this many years is that it's he's he's uh, He's a car with a lot of a lot of gas in it. You know what I'm saying? He's a champion in, in his blood, and um, it's a testament to how good of a football player and how good of a man he is. Two more. Do you remember what your plan was? I remember I wasn't I wasn't prepared for the CFL. I wish I would have had a um, like a uh, my agent or somebody would have just told me what I was going up there to do. Um, I just I didn't do anything. I just hung out in the cold and watched other people play football. So I just wasn't ready for it. I didn't have a, a awareness. I was still caught in the NFL. I just left Eagles camp, and um, I thought there was more football for me to play down there. I ended up a second with the Jets. And then once it kind of dawned on me that this was the next step and I was going there to play football, which was a training camp, it made more sense. So if I would have had a better understanding of what was going on, I probably, you know, would, you know, who knows how it would all played out. But um, I remember, you know, Coach Michael Shea is a, f a fantastic football coach, loved his time there. I got to know Buck and uh, not Andrew not so much at the time. He was focused on playing, but I was in the quarterback room with Matt and all those guys, um, Kevin, and, and just, yeah, you could see how well run that organization was, and it starts with, you know, Coach O'Shea. He's just a fantastic leader, um, a leader of men, um, and, and that's, you know, what I remember most. You never know, you know, that's the greatest thing about, <laughs> that's, that's what's, so beautiful about it. Who knows, you know? And this is where we're at. So, yeah. He he left a strong impression on me. Just his leadership, you know, just his leadership, the way he approached the team meetings and, and um, how he approached, how he talked to players, you know, that's, that's very evident early on and, and how the players respond to him, you know, that's that's um, a true testament of a coach. So, he, you know, he, he's, he's definitely great at it and it's, it's why they had success, you know, and you could, you could feel that, um, the beginnings of those of those stuff at that point and then obviously it, it came true with, with how much success they've had. Sure, you have memories, but but you know that it's going to be a totally different week. Yeah, I guess I guess you draw on the fact that you understand what it's going to be like. You know what? Might, there's going to be a media day. There's going to be this. There's going to be that, and and to expect to not have any time to yourself, or when you do, take full advantage of it. Um, um, but it's also going to be a new week in a new city in a different place. So uh, you draw on, on the what the schedule was and some of the you know regimes and the regiments that you can get into but you know it's going to be a, a new operation in a new environment mcleod bethel thompson seems like a good dude i i have never thought i'd buy mcleod bethel thompson stock in terms of being a championship quarterback but he's got a chance to do it on sunday here especially with the injury to zach Kalaros in toronto playing some of its best ball check out this guy jagera davis broke into the league with the calgary stampeders in 2016 they lost to ottawa in the gray cup in overtime. Then they lost in 2017 to the Toronto Argonauts when they should have won. They fumbled and Toronto runs it back all the way and wins the game with Mark Tressman as the coach. Then in 2018, they did beat Ottawa in Edmonton for the Grey Cup. Then in 2019, 
Ja'Garrett Davis is on Hamilton when they lost to Winnipeg the first time. Same thing in 2021. He loses. Hamilton loses to Winnipeg, and he's back again against Winnipeg. He's probably sick of seeing them. He is going to play with a chip on his shoulder. Six years in the league, sixth straight Grey Cup. It's crazy. Here's Ja'Garrett Davis. It was good. I was asleep the whole time, so. <laughs> but um, it was a, a smooth ride. I mean, just being able to get that time around the guys. Like, this one of those special moments. And it's one of the things you never could take for granted. So, just being in that atmosphere is a great thing. Job not done. We content, but we're not, we're not satisfied. I mean, we've done what it takes to get here. This was our goals at the beginning of the, of the season, their training camp, when we all talked about it. We all set out what's our goals and aspirations, what we're trying to accomplish, and we have one more task at hand to check out the box. Definitely not in Texas. <laughs> um, it's good. I mean, to know... This is what all the marble, all the marble is going to feel like. Um, just being able to come out here and not not only just for me, um, just for everybody, because some guys it's their first time experiencing this type of atmosphere. What type of week this is about to be? But you know what I'm saying? So much media, so much accolades, so many people giving you head nods, knowing who you are, knowing what you're here here for, and what you're about to potentially what history you're about to make. So it's okay. Absolutely, um, I never take it for granted. I've been blessed to be a part of some great teams, some great organizations, and Lady Luck definitely been on my side. Um, just being able to make it to one great cup is, is a feat in itself. But um, being able to do it six times in a row is, is unimaginable. Like, no, that's something you can't, you know what I'm saying, even think about doing. Sure, make it in six times in your lifetime span of career. Nah, it's way more doable than doing it six times back to back to back. So it's it's one of those things I would definitely cherish forever. It's great. I mean, you always want to play against the best during the best time of the year. So this is always the time you want to put your best foot forward. And why not try to beat the best and be the best when you're going against the best? He's one and four in Grey Cups, hoping to be two and four, hoping to Finally, three times the charm, and they beat the Bombers, this time with the Argos. He is Ja'Garrett Davis. Jeremy O'Day, I don't know what his contract status is, but my buddy here, Nick Kachmar, the pride of Ituna, he just said a great one. If the Riders want to get to the Grey Cup, they got to sign Ja'Garrett Davis. So if he's a free agent, approach him right after the game and tell him, listen, we want you. Because he's the ticket to get to the Grey Cup. By the way, want to give a shout out to Richard and Gloria Kachmar, who produced this guy across the way from me, the producer and announcer, Nick Kachmar. That'll do it for the show today, but we got you covered. Tomorrow, we're following the Grey Cup from Saskatoon to Regina Live Cuttings. The Pure Later Parade starts the pancake breakfast. We'll follow the trophy all the way down, stopping in towns, Chamberlain, Davidson, Lumsden. And then we will be here. Don Hewitt's going to be in the chair while I do cut-ins. And then along the way, and then I'll wrap up the show with him tomorrow. Thursday, Friday, we're live from Ryderville. We got you covered. It's the Sports Cage, your official Grey Cup talk show here on 620 CKRM. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRA.